0: Welcome to the Women of the West podcast, exploring the trials and bliss of women blazing trails for themselves through the Western way of life. The Ultimate Cowboy Showdown was a recently aired reality show on Inspiration Network that tested participant skills in order to win the top prize, a herd of cattle. Out of 12 participants, there were two women. Listen in as I talk to Tara and J Storm about what inspires them, the importance of agriculture, and a little bit about their time on the show. Okay, well, Tara, thank you so much for doing this interview with me today. Thank you for having me. So, I mean, I read a little bit about you on social media and stuff, but you're from Iowa, correct? Yes, ma'am. I'm originally Iowa, bred and born and
1: raised and have migrated outside of the, the Midwest here recently. I've spent some time in western Oklahoma, and now I'm down in Texas.
0: Oh, okay. Hey, corn country. I just had Angela Meyer on the podcast not too long ago. She's out of Iowa, um, and she's a country music singer and a yoga instructor. She teaches yoga in barns, and I so wish I lived over there so I could go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you spent most of your growing up years in Iowa, and what do you do? What's your life look like right now? Right, yeah, right now I'm in
1: Stephenville, Texas. haven't been here too long, just a couple months. Um and I'm still working in livestock production. Um, so I do a little bit of day work, a little bit of cowboying on the side. But I'm also uh, back to working in education. I'm a teacher and I just keep going right back down that course, no matter how far I stray away from it. Because it's something I like to do. Uh, it's something that comes naturally for me. So I'm working in education a little bit. But my main focus is I'm doing some personal projects with agriculture advocacy. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. for some big things coming up here, probably within the next year
0: hmm. Yeah. And that's that's so important work. Like, it's almost like a little addicting when you start teaching people stuff about agriculture and people who may not be connected, you know, intimately to it.
1: Oh, it is. And I think that's like a big draw for myself and why I keep finding myself back in the school system, because the things students say, whether they're from an ag background or not, it just kind of clicks in your mind like they don't know that. Think of how many other people don't know that. And they just Mm -hmm. have such a different perspective and insight on things that, like, it could not even be related to ag and somehow trails into it. And so it's kind of inspiring Mm -hmm. and gets me some ideas for things I can do and things I can say to help promote agriculture just based on the silly things my students say.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I think we forget, too, like, you know, people who are involved in agriculture and whatever realm, you know, they might be totally literate with, like, dairy cattle, but they know nothing about crop farming or, you know, food production and stuff like that. There's so much to be learned. And it's such a broad, such a broad field.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And you're never going to stop learning. Like even myself, I'm always looking for the next thing to learn. Um, For example, growing up in Iowa, I was well-rounded in the cow-calf world of cattle production Mm -hmm. and raising cattle on big pastures. Well, I moved out to western Oklahoma. That is big feedlot country. They don't have the grazing mm-hmm. capabilities there, but they have a ton of feedlots. So when I had the opportunity to go work at a feedlot, some people looked at me like, why do you want to be a feedlot cowboy? And I was like, "Um, because I want to see it. Like, I want to know the ins and out of it because that's an essential step in beef production. And it's right in my back mm-hmm. door. So I ended up taking a job when I was in Oklahoma working at the feedlots and getting to see the ins and out of it. And it was just crazy, like how many things I didn't really know about feedlots, even though I would consider myself well-rounded. In the world of cattle.
0: hmm Well, there's so many layers to it. Like, oh, well, maybe they're, like, finishing cattle in the feedlot. Or maybe they're just feeding dairy heifers. Or <laughs> I'm amazed at how much I learn. You know, I think I know a little bit. And then I know nothing.
1: <laughs> there's always something new to learn.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you recently were a participant in the Ultimate Cowboy Showdown. Yes, ma'am. And was that a, was that a pretty big learning experience?
1: It was, it was something I never imagined myself doing, like being part of reality TV and even going on the show. Like I kind of applied as a joke because it said they were looking for cowboys. It didn't say anything mm-hmm. about being female and my taste of said cowboys. So I kind of thought that was a little extra humor when I went ahead and applied for <laughs> it and joked about it with my friends until they contacted me (laughs) and then i realized Mm -hmm. it was real and uh got to go (laughs) do all the filming meet so many cool people that have different backgrounds so kind of like we already mentioned like there's so many new things to learn or even just having simple discussions with people that lived in different states we all had the same goal but we had like 27 different ways of doing it so it was a really Mm -hmm. enlightening experience i also learned a lot about tv production Um, There's a lot of filming that never makes it on TV, or even watching Mm -hmm. some of the stuff on TV. I was like, well, that's kind of how it happened, but I think we just showed that same mess up from three different angles. So it looks like, you know, I just struggled for 20 minutes, but it wasn't 20 minutes. So, you know, something to keep in (laughs) mind. Again, even if you're talking about what you see on media, what reality TV is real, but how real is it sometimes? And that goes with Mm -hmm. a lot of things we see regarding agriculture. Like if you see images on social media, What What is the real truth behind it? A picture and a video doesn't Mm -hmm. always tell the whole story.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly why I started this podcast. You know, I've got so many, like, I would call them idols, you know, women that I follow on social media that I have this, like, perception of them from how they present themselves, and you meet them in person. And, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but they're totally different, you know? And I think... You know, I love this podcast because I feel like this has been a really, like, genuine outlet um, for people to talk about their opinions and their experiences and stuff. And that can be really hard to find on social media sometimes.
1: Oh, yeah, because on social media, you're either right or you're wrong.
0: <laughs> exactly. I will say about the show, I was really impressed that they there was quite the variety of folks on there. Uh, you know, yes. I thought We just have a bunch of Texans and that wasn't the case.
1: (laughs) No, they did an excellent job casting because even if you're just talking about the concept of a cowboy or what a cowboy is, the show does a great job of showing, you know, the cowboy isn't just the man that lives in Texas. And we Mm -hmm. had cowboys on there, you know, that work from horseback, cowboys that don't, cowboys that have other skills that's not even related Mm -hmm. to horse in general. So the concept of what a cowboy is, it kind of opened that entire spectrum up. And so it was a really cool experience to be part of that, but it's also cool to see what the viewers are getting out of the show as well.
0: hmm Absolutely. Yeah, I know, you know, my favorite, favorite line, a cowboy's a verb, not a noun, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> a good one. That's a lot. I think, I think that's a Waddy Mitchell quote, actually. I should double check on it, but it's one of my favorite bums <laughs> of his. Um, yeah. And it was, it was, yeah, interesting to see how everybody worked together and, you know, who was pretty and punchy, and who was just punchy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ethan is oh. very—he's very pretty as well. So
0: he might get to share that
1: title with me. He's probably going to be mad if he listens to this, but I—I I think he's a pretty man.
0: <laughs> pretty handsome and punchy. It doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it, but <laughs> oh. Well, and I, I'll i totally say I only watched the first episode because I don't have cable. I had to mooch it off my parents' TV while I was at their house for the weekend because <laughs> I don't have cable where I live. But um correct me if I'm wrong, but you were off the show, correct? I am now, yep. For now? Okay, and I think this will be released after it's all done, so we should be good. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, oh. last night's episode Oh, was where I got to go home.
0: And I, you know, and I, I, my favorite part of this podcast is I get to like just Instagram stalk people, you know, try to learn about them before I interview them and stuff. And I was really, really impressed with your like latest social media post about that, because at the end of it, you know, you can, you can feel all these things about a mistake you made, but at the end of the day, you are a teacher and an agriculturist and, you know, a woman who's chasing her dreams, even if she's making a mistake. And I was just like blown away by that post. it really did inspire me and i think i think it reached a lot of a lot of women who might have needed to hear that same thing
1: well thank you yeah the amount of people that have contacted me over that post has just been mind blowing i've had people telling me like their stories things they're going through and how much just reading the words that i said has impacted them and so mm-hmm. that's that's been huge that's something greater than even winning the title of ultimate cowboy would have ever meant to me The fact that Mm -hmm. I'm now doing something I always told people to do. If you don't see a leader be one, I guess I just never imagined Mm -hmm. myself being the leader in that spotlight. And I I cried. I read over 200 messages from people, you know, relating to my story or things that happened. And it was just incredible to know that I could have that kind of impact on somebody.
0: Wow, that's that's a lot of feedback. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not what Did I expected any... when I signed up to go on TV.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's this surprise positive outcome. Did you have a favorite message or story somebody told you about, like, after that post?
1: Just a lot of people, you know, that had had a lot of struggles in their life. Some of them are in the past. Some of them they're going through right now. But it was just really cool that they're like, wow, like, I really needed to read that today. I accidentally stumbled upon that and it fit. Or a lot of really cool stories from people that kind of have similar backgrounds to me. We don't have the family ranch to fit in as the typical cowboy stuff like that. And we've had to make it on our own and forge our path. My path Mm -hmm. is still well under the way of being forged. I like to joke I'm 25 and I've went broke in the cattle industry like 18 times. Like I just can't seem (laughs) to get built up to save my life. Like something, something always goes bad, takes me back down to the starting block. So it's it's probably something I talk and write about a lot, honestly, because it's pretty repetitive. But I heard a lot of stories from people that are kind of similar. They're like, you know, maybe something happened in my life. My family sold off the farm. I still had that desire. I had to work really hard to get started. This is what I have. This is what I want to get to. And reading your words and seeing how you're doing the same thing as me and struggling, like, makes me feel better. It's not just me. I'm not the only one that's had to pick up the pieces and keep going. Mm-hmm. so i think that's that's really inspiring to me like they're telling me i'm inspiring them they're inspiring me they're over there like mm-hmm. yeah you know we sold everything we had bankruptcy issues anything like that and they're like now i have 50 head of my own and i was like well dang i wish i had 50 head of my own right now i just got like <laughs> nothing
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's the like that's what amazes me about social media i don't know if you're on i think i'm on like a couple like women in ag and there's like true women in ag and oh, there's a group called like Dear Cowgirl and the yes. stuff people post on there. I'm like, that takes some goness. like, you know, but there's it's amazing how you can get so much outside support from like women that you have you know, you don't know them, but they know you because they're going through something similar. And the stories that people put on there just blows me away. You know how much connection that you can find by kind of exposing those You know, sore spots or insecurities or, you know. And I always say, you know, it it always gets better if you talk about it, you know, don't beat it to death. But if you can open up about those things, it's amazing how quickly, you know, problems dissolve once you get it out in the open and find someone else to connect with, you know.
1: It definitely does. Like, personally, I've been writing for a pretty long time. But, uh, you know, I had even my page before I even went on the TV show. And I kind of felt that within myself being able to put it out there, like made me feel better and it Mm -hmm. made me feel better because other people felt better from it or people that have been through it are like, yeah, like it's rough, but I promise it's going to get better. Just seeing Mm -hmm. that or the community support, it's really cool to be able to reach
0: them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And especially, you know, I'm, Like, horsewomen, you know, that was the, like, beginning of your post, like, when was the last time that my hands were shaking when I saddled my horse? Or, you know, like, when was the last time I got on a horse with this mentality, you know? Like, that is something that I think drives a lot of connection, because a lot of people won't, you know, won't ever admit that they're scared or anxious or anything, you know, with something that usually feels like second nature to most people, you know?
1: Yeah, that that was definitely... Like, one of the harder moments of my life, even watching it on TV, like, I was like, man, I don't even want to watch this episode. Like, I see what's about to happen. I don't want to see it. I got to see it from, like, four different <laughs> angles, played over six times, so it looked like I struggled for at least an hour. Um, so it was a little cringeworthy for me watching it. But I was like, you know what? Stuff happens. Like, what am I going to do about it? I can't do anything about it. I made a mistake. I had a lot of pressure I put on myself internally. Um, something personally mm-hmm. I can work on and improve on like I'm really bad about putting too much pressure on myself on something that really doesn't matter so it was a nice mm-hmm. twist of perspective just to watch that I also got a lot of messages from some funny stories from fellow cowboys and cowgirls that have had made a uh, little mistakes they were just lucky enough that it was not caught on camera and shown on television
0: oh some of them had a little that, bit yeah. of,
1: yeah, they had some better stories than I did, like something actually went wrong or they got injured or, you know, maybe they came off and run their favorite outfit. <laughs> and I was like, you know, what? Uh-huh. at least it wasn't on TV. They're like, yeah, we're pretty thankful. It, it was not us and it was you up there. I was like, thank you.
0: <laughs> exactly. If we all have video cameras falling around <laughs> all the time, there'd be a lot more viral videos. On- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so you find yourself coming back to the teaching thing and you also have your pretty and punchy blog correct yes ma'am uh-huh and i guess where does your passion lie with that i know you said you're really you know you're knowledgeable and comfortable with the cattle industry but is that kind of the realm of it or where do you want to see more like agriculture education implemented
1: oh i want to see it everywhere Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, classrooms, schools, social media, businesses. There are so many people that aren't as lucky in a, to have the same background that I grew up with. They don't understand what farmers and ranchers do, where our food comes from, why our food is safe, or even the processes that make our food safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of these kind of anti-ag groups. Mm-hmm. They really like to bash on the farmer and rancher. And they kind of tear down what we do. Or you'll see labels like Project Mm Non-GMO. They're sticking that label on things that don't even come from crops that have a genetically modified version. Mm -hmm. So to the uneducated consumer, are you going to buy something if it says it doesn't have something? Well, yeah, that makes it look like it's better, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so it's just little little tactics like that that people do as far as marketing that it's kind of injuring the agriculture industry, whether or not they want to admit that. It's putting a downfall on us and shadowing us like we're the bad guys. We're not doing something right. You know, something else
0: is better when that's Mm -hmm. not the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite age to teach?
1: Oh, goodness. I I can't even say I can pick an age because I think you're never too old Mm -hmm. to learn something. But if I'm stuck in a classroom all day, I kind of like the middle schoolers Mm -hmm. or the freshmen because they're just really awkward and weird and they say the best (laughs) things like the things they'll ask you or the conversations you'll overhear like it's just the full entertainment i'm gonna write a book someday called things my (laughs) students have said and i'm sure every teacher will love it overhearing conversations um you know the things they ask or even i had a student one time and bless her heart if she listens to this (laughs) she'll know it's her but she was looking at a paper article and it had some some boys that had won some stock show events on there and she points at one that she thinks a pretty good looking fellow and she goes oh Miss Powers I would rope him and tie him (laughs) like a goat
0: oh that's pretty good
1: so they definitely they keep it interesting you never know what they're going to say or what they're going to ask so they definitely keep it interesting and it's nice to, to have that refreshment when you're thinking about educating people mm-hmm. outside of the school system, because if they have a different look when they're in school, they can even come up with a simpler way to explain mm-hmm. stuff that you wouldn't even think of that relays into other people's everyday life. So I think I like working with the middle school to the freshman age just because they saw that creativity and the lack of a filter. Oh, yeah. Oh, middle school are my
0: favorite. I love them because <laughs> most of them are pretty weird, but, you know. I think I've come into my own weirdness as an adult, so it works, you know? <laughs> oh, and then we wanted to talk a little bit about representing, like, the working woman. And I'm I'm really glad the Ultimate Cowboy Showdown brought in, you know, a couple gals. But it was still 10 to 2, you know? And was that intimidating at all, being around all those yeah. boys? I know you're pretty used to it if you're working in the agriculture industry, but... Yeah,
1: you just summed that up for me. Working in the ag industry, it's a male-dominated field, so it's something I was used to coming from rural farm America. Also, something I was used to—always one of the boys. All my friends were guys, mm-hmm. so for me, it was just another
0: day. Absolutely, and that's it is—it's such a touchy thing because there's so many men who can work beside a woman and not feel, you know, weird about it or um yeah but there's still a lot of them that can't you know heck my boyfriend introduced me to somebody the other day and he wouldn't even look me in the eye and oh I was hot (laughs) I was hot after that you know but like there is a lot of those like very old school ways and manners alive in the agriculture industry today that I don't know that a ton of people are aware about if they're not involved you know
1: Yeah, if you're not in there, you know, you don't always think of it. Because even working back at the feed yards, I had coworkers straight up mm-hmm. tell me I shouldn't be there because I'm a female. I only got hired because I was a woman. Later, that same gentleman said, well, at least if they picked a woman to hire. They hired one that can hold her own weight. Uh, I was like, thank you for the compliment and insult all in one. I'll take it. <laughs> one of the nicer things he said to me. Um uh, It was rough, though, like they would have discussions about whether or not Mm -hmm. I should be there just because I was a girl. And there was actually a heated debate at work one time because I was about the same age as one gentleman's daughters and his daughters grew up riding. They ended up kind of doing something different with their life. They don't ride anymore. But I reminded Mm -hmm. him a lot of his girls and how he raised his girls. And he would have no problem if his girls chose a profession in agriculture. Yet another coworker was often like, Mm -hmm. no, that's our weak link just because she's a girl. So they had a pretty heated discussion at one time. That was pretty cool just to sit back and watch because I was was just kind of giggling. The one guy that just didn't like me. I'm sorry he didn't like me, but I guess I can't fix that now. But I was giggling because they're like the same age group. So it was crazy to see Uh how diversified their opinions were on whether or not a Mm -hmm. female should work as a
0: cowboy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a gentleman, I was mucking stalls the other day. He goes, you're way too pretty to work that hard. (laughs) And I was like, Again, I don't. I don't think those two things have to do with you know. Those are two unrelated things. <laughs> but same thing. Thanks for the compliment and the insult. Same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I like to call them complice salts <laughs> You just focus on. Yeah, you just focus on the good part and like keep. Yeah, going absolutely. On you can't it. let
0: it phase you, and you can't let them let them see that it faces you because that only causes more problems. It seems.
1: Exactly. I think we're going to, like, as females in agriculture, we're also going to struggle a little bit more. I don't know about everybody else, but I'll try to work twice Mm -hmm. as hard to prove that I can do it. And I'm going to do more than I'm supposed to do just because I am the female. So, like, yeah, look at me. Not only did I do that, I went ahead and worked on this early. Like, I found myself doing that a lot in every job I've worked. If I had, like, that kind of tension among the guys I was working with, if any of them Mm -hmm. from the get-go just didn't really think I should be there. Or that I wasn't going to be as talented as them. I always found myself doing more than I had to. And I think it kind of sucks, to be honest. It sucks that we're in that kind of situation where I'm over here like, oh, I have this done. So I'm going to try to Mm -hmm. work ahead so that way they know they should value me. Instead of just like, yeah, we have 10 employees and we Mm -hmm. all do the same thing every day and everything gets
0: done. One of my greatest friends in the world, she guided like trail rides for years. In the backcountry of Montana. And, you know, she'd get up at 2, 3 a.m. to go around Penner colts just because, you know, all the boys make fun of her if her horses were bucking and stuff. And she was probably the handiest one, but she didn't want to show them that weakness. And she put in her hours to make sure they didn't. I'm still blown away by that.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a crazy thing we have to do, but I think it's important mm-hmm. that there's those of us crazy enough to do it. Cause we're the ones that are going to make the difference and we're the ones that those little girls are watching. Like, well, look at her. She went out Mm -hmm. and did that. Like I can do that too.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, thinking about what our mothers and grandmothers have done, that's what allows us to live the lives that we do. You know, we face so much less discrimination or prejudice or, um, you know, like bias than they ever did.
1: Yeah, I didn't really think of a lot of that growing up um, just because I had Mm -hmm. parents that worked together and working in agriculture. um, They both cooked, they both cleaned, they both drove the tractors, they both fed the cows. So I grew up with a strong uh, working woman in my life and I didn't really notice the difference in like what women were supposed to do traditionally and things Mm -hmm. like that until I left home until I got older. And then I was like, Okay. So now they're telling me, Oh, you have a farm. Are you the farmer's wife? And I was like, Well, my mom was a farmer's wife, but she didn't yeah, do the stuff you're describing. <laughs> like my mom was a farmer. My dad was yeah. a farmer. Oh, I guess moving forward from my experience of being publicized on TV, I'd really like to take the opportunity to use the spotlight to promote agriculture. Um, this is what I'm kind of trying to do with my page pretty and punchy and. I'm talking to some other groups much larger than myself, hoping for some bigger projects in the upcoming year, but I really would love the opportunity just to continue to talk about agriculture, not only to people that don't know about agriculture, but also share stories with my fellow agriculturalists. Like, I want to share what we do, why we do it, educate people on things, stuff like the fact that all of the meat is antibiotic-free. There's no reason to go pay more money for a label. It's all antibiotic-free. Thanks to the processes and procedures we have when, as uh, farmers and ranchers, we're producing those livestock. That's just something a lot of consumers don't know. And it's probably a personal pet peeve more than anything. But I'd really like to do whatever I can to help represent the agricultural industry
0: and educate our consumers as well. Absolutely. I love that. I think that's so important and you're doing a great job at it. I love following you on social media, you know. I feel like I know a lot and I've even learned (laughs) learned stuff from you. So uh, well, I think that you should feel really proud of yourself for having the bravery to go on a reality T V show in front of national television and you know, you are such a such a proponent of agriculture and I think we need more of that. So I hope you enjoyed your spotlight and it sounds like you're gonna use it for good cause. So
1: Well, thank you. Yes, it was definitely a crazy experience. Something I never would have guessed I'd do. Never saw myself trying reality TV. Um, But like I said, I am hoping to kind of, you know, take it and run with it. I want to continue to talk about women in agriculture, continue to talk about farmers and ranchers and production livestock. That's one of my biggest passions is agriculture. So being able to share that with other people is probably my dream job. I'm just hoping that maybe someday it will actually pay me to do it. But uh, for right (laughs) now, I'll keep doing it for free.
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. I so appreciate it. And I can't wait. Okay. Well, j thank you so much for being on my podcast. I so appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Oh, thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about like what your life looks like outside of the ultimate cowboy. You know, we just get a glimpse of that, but you're from Texas, correct?
2: Yes, ma'am. I'm from Southeast Texas. It's a small town called Hampshire. And I've grown up on a cow-calf operation my whole life. My grandfather is 87 years old and he still works and rides every day. And he's always been my biggest inspiration. I mean, I've been working cattle with him and Riding around checking cows with him since I was born, basically. So it's just always been something that I enjoyed. And uh, I went to Sam Houston State and got an ag business degree. Then I came back home and I've been working here ever since.
0: Oh, I love it. How fun that you're still like able to do so much of that with your grandpa. That's pretty special.
2: Yeah, I'm very thankful for that.
0: Yeah. Hey, I hope I'm still, you know, able to work that hard when I'm 87. So <laughs> <I know.
2: laughs> he says the trick is to never slow down. Once you slow down, that's when you start going down. So he doesn't ever slow down.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I've heard that from quite a few people. So I think there must be something to it. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. So you ended up on the Ultimate Cowboy. How's that experience been so far?
2: Um, It was a very neat experience. Um, It was definitely out of my comfort zone. Like I'm normally a pretty shy and quiet person. So doing that was definitely like a big leap for me, but I just kind of wanted to push myself and like prove to myself that I could do it. You know, like I've come a long way in being more confident in myself at work. And this was just kind of like another little test for me, I guess, to show myself that, that I should be confident in everything and that I could go out there and do it. And I mean, it was a good experience. It was a little different you know, contest wise and what I thought it might be, but it, I made some good contacts. And I made good friends, you know, and I mean, I just, I feel like I'll, it'll lead to some other opportunities too. So I think it overall, it was a pretty good experience. I'm not sure I would sign up for a different reality TV show, but, uh, this one was, <laughs> it was pretty fun.
0: I know. I was like, no way someone's doing a reality TV show like that. That's actually something I would watch. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) See, I was worried. I was like, I wonder how they're going to make this interesting because I feel like most people wouldn't really get into, like, working cattle and stuff. You know, that wouldn't be that fun to watch on TV. But they've done a pretty good job of it. The episodes that I've seen so far have been pretty good.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I need to catch up. I've only watched the first one, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Well, and I will say, like, I was really blown away. Like, no offense to the boys, but they all came in pretty, you know, macho and loud. And then you are just so quiet with your, you know, great horsemanship skills. I was so impressed. Thank you. You know, getting to watch you. That was really fun.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, if you can, I don't know, my thing is, like, if you have to tell people you're good, then you're probably not that good. Like, your actions ought to be able to show how good you are, so... To me, I'd rather show people than tell people.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, remind me where your mouth is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I mean, you've grown up doing ranching and stuff, and I guess is that like your future plan is to like take over that business as it gets passed down to stay on, yeah. the stay on the family ranch and keep running it.
2: Yes, ma'am. So that's always been what I've wanted to do. Um, my grandfather and his two brothers are the ones that have the place and my brother and I are the only ones that are really interested in the cattle. So I'm hoping, you know, I've been working hard to save my money my whole life to, you know, if they ever, if any of my cousins or anything who aren't as involved in it, ever want to sell their part, I want to be able to buy it. Cause I don't want it to, you know, go off anywhere else. I want to be able to keep it all together. So I've been working mm-hmm. pretty hard to do that. And I hope, you know, I hope I can make it
0: work. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, you know, that's such an issue in the Western industry too, is like, how, how do we ensure that these, you know, multi-generational ranches are able to be passed down? You know, I guess I didn't really know much about it. And, you know, some people can't even afford to pay like the, the taxes, you know, when, yeah. when somebody passes or it gets passed down. And, you know, it's just crazy to me. Like, yeah, how would you pay taxes on like a million acres? You know, if you're yes. that lucky to be born into a family like that i i never even thought about it and i thought oh my god yeah how would you
2: oh yeah there's so much like liability that comes with it it's not just like you inherit like an asset you know it's like a lot of liabilities too but i don't know to me it, it would be worth it you know and and that was another reason i did this show was for the prize you know that would be beneficial to me and i mean i don't know we've been hit pretty hard too with uh like natural disasters. The last one was a tropical storm. Before that, we had a hurricane. Well, we had Hurricane Harvey and then tropical storm Amelda. And Imelda was like a month ago and we got 43 inches of rain in 24 hours. Oh and then gosh. two years ago was Harvey and we got 56 inches of rain in 48 hours. And they told us that that was a 500 year flood and we would never see it again. And then we're here we are two years later like with the uh-huh. exact same thing. So it was pretty crazy and pretty frustrating because, I mean, we're not really, we're not in a flood zone or anything at all. Like nobody hardly even had flood insurance where we live because we weren't supposed to flood ever. And um so it's been like, it's always something, obviously the cattle industry, there's always something, you know, going on. But I mean, the past few years for us have been pretty dang difficult and um just like, I mean, you know, just like something like that, it doesn't affect you just for that day or that week or that year. Like, you have to think about the cows that lose their calves that they have in them, you know, the cows that just get so poor they can't breed back. Right then, I mean, it affects your grass quality, your hay, it affects everything. Like, it's so so much stuff, and it's just a lot to a lot to get over. But like I said, we did it two years ago. <laughs> we made it through that, so I'm hoping. This time we can make it through, too. It just takes a lot of determination, for sure. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. In Texas, is Tricky, you guys get tropical storms, and then you also get, like, horrible fires.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we had cattle, like, a little farther up north on some, like, we have some wheat pasture we lease up there. And those heifers, we had our replacement heifers up there, and they were in a drought. Like, they hadn't seen any rain, and we had to bring them home, and they were here a week and then we got forty three inches of rain in a day. It's like can't win for losing. Like they came from absolutely no rain to a flood. So <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah. So what was your like favorite moment uh about being on the show?
2: Um my favorite moment. Uh I don't know, really. I mean I I like I really like the friendships I made for sure. But um I don't know. We just had like a lot of good laughs. Like, um, and I, and I like hate it because like Juan Carlos isn't on the show. Like, he, you don't see him near as much as I thought you would because he was just the most like genuine and like sweet person. And he was so funny. And like him and Zane and Cody and I were all pretty close. And I mean, when we were all sitting there talking, like it was just nothing but laughs. Like it was so fun. And you know, like it was, I don't know, it was just really cool to, you know, cause we're all, Involved in the same industry and like where I'm from, there's not that many people left that do the same thing. So I don't get an opportunity to be around a lot of people my age that do the same thing I do. So it was kind of neat for me, you know, to get to do that and get to meet people. And especially since they're from all over and like they they don't do it the same as you know we do. Like I mean, obviously people work cows different from county to county, much less like all across America. So uh-huh. it was pretty neat to see, you know, like. Juan Carlos, um he doesn't even have electricity at some of his place. Like he lives like up in the mountains, and he it was it was just pretty neat to see how he like lives off the land and everything. And I mean, I don't know, and it was just neat to see everybody's different perspective and aspects, and like how they work cattle differently. And I don't know, it was just that's that was probably the best thing for me. I don't know if that counts as a moment exactly, but just like no, the friendships the and everything.
0: Thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I had to laugh. I was like. Like, everybody's different gear because it's, like, totally different styles from coast to coast. You know, what's, like, cowboy cool? Yeah. And my mom, like, somebody, she was like, they've got their pants tucked into their boots. I was like, that's a thing. <laughs> Maybe not in Oregon, but it's a thing elsewhere to yeah. wear your stove tops and your pants tucked in. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, like, just, like, all the different hat shapes, even. Like, you can tell a lot about where people are from from the shape of their hat, too.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think. You know, if you see somebody's hat and their boots, you can kind of make a, a guess at what they do for <laughs> a living or where they're
2: from. <laughs> yes, ma'am.
0: Oh. I guess like looking into the future, um, as you go like take over the family ranch, hopefully, but like what do you see are like top issues that you're gonna have to deal with um when you take that over? You know, like what's your kind of yeah. like preparation for that besides um, working hard and saving your pennies, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of issues like government wise. Um, obviously, like the fake meat thing, that's a big deal right now. And I think that's going to continue to be a big deal. And along with that, like the like country of origin labeling, like our, uh, the organization, the cattlemen's organization I'm involved in, like we worked really hard to get the cool country of origin labeling passed. And then that ended up not, they didn't keep it. So I don't know. I think it's really important to, get something like some kind of program like that back where people can know exactly where their food comes from and everything and that's what I think I mean I think that really like we're just gonna have to as a whole like as a whole ag industry like just make it a point to represent ourselves better and like advocate for ourselves better on social media because I think you know it's so easy for people to put out a negative thing like you can get on there and see a I mean, everybody saw Ellen telling you, you know, be neat, don't eat meat or whatever she said. And uh-huh. all her fat or her, you know, her what her reasonings behind it. Well, if you look at the actual facts, you know, it's not necessarily what she said. And I just think it's like really important for us to try to educate people. You know, if you educate them and they still have that opinion that they don't want to eat meat, then that's fine. That's their opinion. They're entitled to that. But I think so many of these people just aren't educated. They just don't know where their food comes from. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really important because, I mean, if you you know, like I said, if you get on social media, like it's so easily easy to be influenced the other way, and you see all these campaigns for like PETA and stuff saying we don't treat our animals right, and that's another thing about like these tropical storms. Like I wanted to tell them, like, where was PETA during this? You know, they weren't here helping the animals like we were. You know, we were risking our lives to save these animals, and you know, like that's what people don't see that side of it. Like we don't want to harm our animals. They're our livelihood. Like we want to treat them the best we can so that they can, you know, provide for us and provide for everyone. So I just Mm -hmm. really think like getting out there, you know, and putting a positive light on agriculture is really going to be the biggest thing we need to do in the next few years. And I mean, I know that's not specifically affecting just me and my operation, but that'll, you know, affect everybody. And I think it'll be, you know, just shed a positive light on the beef industry and that's, I don't know, I guess that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, you know, there's so many organizations that, like, have the same goal. I I hope to see, like, maybe some, like, more stream, like mainstreamed efforts. You know, yes, there's, like, a thousand sure. voices spread out. It'd be nice if there was one avenue for a thousand voices, you know. Yes, but, exactly. <laughs> but I guess it but goes with the I think, like, the stuff like this,
2: like, podcasts, I think those are getting bigger. So I think it's pretty neat. Like, I think this is a pretty good... Way to reach out pe- to people, you know, and I don't know, and I think really, I mean, just like even like just simple things like Instagram posts, you know, just your pretty cows every once in a while, and talking about them, you know, might, might make people realize, you know, that we do care for them a lot more than they think. And uh-huh. I don't know, just share. I mean, even just sharing somebody else's, you know, article about beef or anything every once in a while, like I feel like that makes such a huge impact. So it might be just small things like that that anybody that's listening right now can do. And I think it'll help all of us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Spreading the facts and not the, not the fiction, even though the fiction seems much more exciting to people on social media. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll let you go watch your episode, but thank you so much for doing this. I so appreciate it. And I will I appreciate
2: it. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, thank you guys for tuning in. I'd just like to extend a huge thank you to Tara and Jay Storm and Inspiration Network for letting me do these interviews. I hope you all learned a lot. These two women are very passionate about agriculture education and I think are great representatives of the face of ag as we move to the future. So thank you for listening in. I'll tag their social media accounts in the post below so you can find them. Get in touch with these gals. They're awesome, and they want to spread the good word about ag. Thank you for listening.